Welcome to The Alex Tremble Show, where we share the strategies and secrets you need to know in order to successfully increase your influence, build strategic networks, and advance in your career. An award-winning speaker, author, and leadership coach, Alex brings executive leaders from across the world to share their inspirational stories and insights to help you become an exceptional public servant while also reaching your career goals. Without further ado, here's your host, Alex D. Tremble. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Tremble from GPS Leadership Solutions, and I am so um, I'm pumped. I'm excited to be able to talk to the person I'm going to be talking to today. Um, actually, I'm going to make a bit of a joke, but she'll make it'll make sense when I say it. So, should I be referring to you as retired Major General um, Linda Singh or um, Doctor Singh or CEO Singh? How, how would you like me to address you today, Madam? And that people get so confused. You can just call me Linda. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have Miss Linda here today um, because, again, when you see her resume, when, you, when we talk through her stories today, you're going to see why I'm excited and why you're going to learn so much through this conversation today. Um, and so what I'd like to do is just really quickly um, actually ask you a, an initial question. So you served as the 29th adjunct general of the state of Maryland. Yes. For people who are not as smart as you, um, what is that and what does that look like? So um, the adjutant general runs the whole National Guard for the state of Maryland. And so there are 54 of us, and I know you're probably saying there's not 54 states, but it's the 54 states, territories, and District of Columbia. Um, and so there are 54 adjutants general, and they run, um, you know, the guard for the governor, and really the care of those individuals and in running it for the federal side. So it's kind of both. It's a very interesting role because um, you're kind of balancing any given day between the federal world and that state and local kind of uh, government. And, and so it does make it for a very intriguing uh, position. And in some of the states, um, the adjutant general is a cabinet secretary. So like in the state of Maryland, I was also a cabinet secretary responsible for the Maryland military department. Ma'am, ma'am. And then again, on the complete other side, you're also the CEO um, of your own organization. What is that organization? You want to share a little about that really quickly? Well, yes. And so the, the challenging thing is after retiring last year from uh, the National Guard, I had already started my own company, but I was really focused in on, you know, what did I want my company to be? How did I want to build it out? And so um, I'm now to the point of this is where I want it. This is the space that I want to be in. It's focused in on uh, leadership and management consulting. We do provide some level of programmatic, program management support or IT support, like quality assurance testers, configuration management type folks. Um, but I'm really focusing very, very heavily on that uh, management consulting and the strategic advisory services. Because what I realized, regardless of whether you're a federal agency or a civilian um, organization, or even at state and local, I am finding um, many people are having challenges in their organizations, whether it's people or whether it's systems. And, you know, what we do is to come in and cut through all of that and to help them to kind of see through the forest to be able to get to the other side and doing that holistically instead of leaving them strewn on the battlefield behind us, right? So kind of the, the pun. Um, and, you know, one of the things I recently did is coming out of the military, I went in as an interim CEO for another company that really needed some stabilization. Mm -hmm. And part of what I provided for them was that strategic direction, setting the foundation, and then creating an implementation uh, transition plan for new leadership team. Yeah. And so it was really kind of getting the organization set. And I've done that for federal clients and Department of Defense clients. I've done it with military organizations. And so these are things that I love to do. So for everyone listening here, um, I'm hoping you're getting why I asked those initial questions. She has a wealth of information that, that she can pull from, be able to share with us. Again, we're going to get into some, actually some really cool stuff that she's done in the past um, very soon, fairly soon. But I wanted to just provide that, that, that foundation. And so before I get into the, the, the top questions we're going to ask today, I want to ask you, you were top dog, okay? 
Top Dog, what was the most fun thing about that job? I know you get to ask that question all the time, don't you? I, I, yeah, I do. So uh, there's probably a couple of things because there was a lot of fun things. But first off, being able to see the privates and all of the junior folks, because I was a junior person when I joined the National Guard, right? I was one of those privates. And when you see all the young ones coming in and now I'm you know, much older, it's like, God, I'm really old. But it, it was just you know, being able to see the excitement and then what's even funnier is when you interact with them as a general officer, they have no idea what to do with themselves. That's just funny watching them fall all over themselves. Um, so the people are, you know, can be the, the funnest part, but sometimes also the most challenging. And then, you know, the other thing that I think was, especially in my last five years, was just amazing is being able to, um, you know, associate with what we call our state partnership program. So the National Guard, we actually have state, in, in some cases, not all state has, all states have them, but we have what we call these state partnership programs with international organizations that are done through the Department of Defense. And uh, Maryland, we had Estonia uh, and Bosnia-Herzegovina. And I will tell you, um, when you really want to experience life and to kind of compare it to the U.S. and see what we do versus another country, it is so much fun seeing how others live and sometimes how they live so much more uh, simplistically than we do. Uh, and it makes you question, <laughs> what, or what are we doing wrong? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But I think the funnest part about that was being a female and a minority female in a country where um, that's not the norm, right? I'm engaging and interacting with people who don't look like me and they could have cared less, right? Like, like they were so engaging and so welcoming. Um, it almost made me think about moving there for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you. I, I almost didn't come back when I went to Costa Rica for a little bit because it was just like you said, it was more of a simple life, but people were just right. happy. Um, so, so thank you for sharing those. And I knew this was going to happen. So what you shared actually made me think of a different question I'd like to ask you. Um, so in my research, I, I was doing on you prior to this, our time together, um, you told a story about a time when um, you were at AIT and um, some soldier... Um, says something to you that was inappropriate and you took some next steps. You spoke to someone else about that. Do you mind sharing that story really quickly? Yeah, that was uh, within my first year, actually, um, in the National Guard. And, you know, when you are in the National Guard, whether you're Air Guard or Army Guard, you actually go to the normal um, basic training AIT um, sessions. And, you know, the challenging thing for me was... Um, you know, I, I, I just didn't have the best start. <laughs> when I think about uh, life overall, I didn't quite have the best start. And so going into the, the National Guard and getting away, that was the first time that I had ever flown on a plane. So I flew, uh, you know, away on a plane. But, and the reason why I set that context is because right after basic training, I met a service member and got married. And uh, soon after that was expecting. So I had to go to AIT um, expecting. And, the, and, and so first off, you had not a lot of women, um, you know, and I don't want to say not a lot of women, but there were, there were women, but it wasn't too long um, after women were just integrated into the overall force, right? You know, separate from the way that it used to be where women were, were separate. And so here I am. Uh, a female at an AIT station and, oh, by the way, early on in my pregnancy. And, and, um, and I, and at that time, you actually had to show up for pay. And I know people are just like, what does that mean? You had to report, <laughs> you actually had to report for pay. You go to a table, you sign a thing, you go to the next line, you get your check, you go to the next thing, you pop. find your check and they cash it for you, right? It's like, it's like really archaic. <laughs> and so as I'm reporting for my pay, um, one of the NCOs just said, you know, you're not going to be here long. I, he, he was just like, I don't want women in my army. And 
you are, you know, definitely, I don't want pregnant women in my army. Um, now you say that to a pregnant woman, I was full of emotions, I'm just gonna tell you. Um, and so I kind of held my composure, but I was just like, oh my God. And you know, what I was worried about is I knew that I needed to get through that training so that I could continue to, to stay. Otherwise, you know, they, they would put you out immediately, right? And so I was just so worried about it. And the next morning, um, the Sergeant Major, he was the uh, a Commandant Sergeant Major, happened to come through the hallways. And I would always, you know, like to see him because one, he always looked very sharp in his uniform. Uh, but two, he had taps on his dress shoes and you could hear him coming down the hallway. And I was like, man, that is so cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's as exciting. Oh, no, it's, just, hear it's, that. Cool. It's, it's just so cool. And he knew that something was wrong. And so he stopped like he had passed me. And I guess because I didn't greet him in the same way, he actually came back and then engaged with me because he was like, no, 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 that's not the way you typically, you know, say good morning. And so he engaged with me in a, a manner that he started digging deeper and then he realized, okay, there's a problem. And he's like, don't you worry about it. Mm. And, um, and he really made it so that um, I finished, you know, my overall AIT, you know, my advanced training and uh, finished at the top of the class. And so, um, you know, that just goes to show you that sometimes, you know, people will help you to do the right thing. So, so thank you so much for sharing that story. And, and the, reason why I wanted to ask about that story is because I saw two things that was really important. Um, one, you stood out enough that when you were different, he noticed, right? So you didn't kind of just, you weren't, you weren't in camouflage, right? You were <laughs> horrible, horrible comparison, right? But you weren't, you know, in the background, you stood out enough so that people could see when something was wrong. And so I think that's one of the first components of being political sad, politically savvy and or building relationships is being able to stand out. So I'm going to ask yeah. you about that. And the second part is you were still willing to speak to him. I know you said he did some digging, but a lot of people aren't even willing to speak to people in more senior level positions. And so can I ask you, one, you know, how do you think you went about standing out um, to that point where he could, he noticed there was a difference And two, you know, how did you think, how did you go about building up that confidence that you were able to speak for yourself when he did talk to you, ask you? Well, um, so I was, I mean, I've always been very strong, I guess. I think basic training I'm not even going to say, I think like I loved basic training. That's like really crazy <laughs> to say. Um, it was like, I got a chance to lead other women mm -hmm. and, and it showed me that I could be a leader. And so basic training taught me how to be, you know, able to speak out for myself, but still be respectful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that I have to be a quiet wallflower. As long as I'm respectful, I do have an opinion. And I think most people think that in the military, you can't talk like you can't, you know, give, okay, yeah, I'm not necessarily in agreement with that. Gotcha. I'm going to go off and do it, but maybe we could do it this way. And I think they, they feel like it's the military of the old and it's changed so much from even the time that I came in. And so people, you know, they wanted to hear if you were showing leadership skills, they were willing to listen. Mm -hmm. And so I think even through my class, I was showing those leadership skills and that trickles up, right? So they want to see who's making an impact. And I, and, and so I think that's what caused me not only to just stand out um, because I was willing to go the extra mile to make sure we were doing the right things for our class. But I think, it was just me, you know, knowing that if I didn't speak up for myself and kind of have this conversation, then I may not be there. Yeah. And it's a matter of, am I going to let this person stand in the way of me accomplishing what I came here to do? And, and the answer for me, you know, was, was really no. And I, and I will tell you that there were some other folks who were um, more experienced. I had made friends with you know, some of the other permanent party folks, and I did get some advice. So, you know, they were just like, yeah, you need to speak up and you can't let that happen because we've seen this happen to some of the new folks. They, and they were just like, you know, you need to speak up for yourself. And so 
I, I will tell you, it's being able to have good people that are willing to tell you, yeah, you, you need to do what's right. I think you've made so many really great points in what you just answered. Um, you know, just keying on, you know, I, I'm, by the time this video is published, I would have already published another one on connections. And this, we talked about the importance of having those relationships with people who you know got have your back. You know, I got your back, you got my back. Yeah, and, and you know, we don't, so I, I've talked about this a lot in the last couple of days, is it's, it's the power of connection, it's the power of sponsorship, um, you know, and that sponsorship can happen in the government, it can happen in the military, it can happen in private industry, but that power of being able to, first off, say you're not only willing to, to stand up for what's right, but you're going to do it for somebody else. And, and I don't think that we, I don't think we understand it enough. And I don't think we understand the power of, of the networks and the power of relationships. You know, if we were to study just networks in general, do you know that we can influence a whole population of folks if we pivot in the right places within the network, right? And, and this, is, this is not something that is just, oh, that's a phenomenon. No, it actually happens. And so... We need to be thinking about that just ourselves. Yeah. Like we have to build our network and that influence of people. So, man, okay. There's so many questions I want to ask you, right? I'm, I'm, <laughs> the first question I was supposed to ask you today was, so, you know, we, you served again as the adjunct general um, in, 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 in for, for the state of Maryland. Um but you didn't just get there, right? Some things had to happen. So I guess my question is, you know, what are three different experiences that you think led to you ultimately being offered this opportunity? Um, again, these experiences could have been when you were a kid or mid-career. What, what, what are three just divergent experiences that led to you being offered that opportunity? Well, I think, um, so one of the first ones is uh, when I actually made the decision to become an, an officer, um, I went through a hard program, right? Because it was, it was not the active duty program. They wouldn't let you go to the active duty program. So I went to, and I don't wanna say they wouldn't let, but they wouldn't let me. So I had to go to the National Guard officer candidate program. And I put you know, so much effort and made such a commitment to you know, try to be performing because I didn't want my classmates to have to do push-ups because my shoes weren't shined or whatever. So, you know, you're always trying to be better. And, you know, I would get there early and I'd be cleaning the billets and cleaning the rooms so that we could be ready, you know, for the, for the evening when, you know, we do our weekends. And I graduated at the top of the class. That put me on the map for many things because it got me recognized by leadership at the very senior level. So at that time, the adjutant general that, that was the adjutant general was like the scariest man ever. It got me on his radar. Yeah. And, and so I'm going to say more about that on the military side. I won't talk about the civilian side, but I'll talk about that military side because this is a key point. He not only recognized me and was like, oh my God, we need to keep our eye on this lady. Many years later, when I in, went in for um, battalion command, I was very junior, mm -hmm. but I knew that I wanted command. And the whole point was you put your packet in and make sure that they know you want it, even if you don't get it. It's good to interview and it's good to do that. So I really wanted battalion command, was not selected because I was too junior, got a call, like, I don't know, the, the week after that, you know, the adjutant general, which is the same guy, wanted me to implement and stand up this unit that was currently as a business case. And part of it was because of my civilian background and he felt like I had the right background to be able to do this. So there again, the same person, um, you know, gave me an opportunity and I wasn't going to take the opportunity. I was like, I really don't want to do this. And they were just like, no, you don't understand. If, if this general asks you to do something, you may not get another opportunity. So I took the opportunity and we did an amazing job. And from there, mm -hmm. it was like whatever opportunity presented itself, I stepped forward. Yeah. And so if you were to ask me what really made a difference, I was willing to put myself out there and try it, even if I didn't think that 
Um, I'm just like, man, do I have all of the right skills to be able to do this? And that's when I found out that, you know, a lot of my peers, I mean, they're not going to have all the right skills either, but they're not going to be, um, you know, willing to kind of step back and say, well, no, I can't do this because I don't have the 10 skills. And mm -hmm. so I had to get comfortable being uncomfortable and putting myself out there and willing to do and learn the job. So, so one of my mentors, who's a federal executive, um, you know, one of the things he told me, I was, it was he's been, and he's served in the federal government for almost 20 years now, some of the most senior level SES positions that a career SES can have. And he hasn't applied for a job for like 20 years. Like <laughs> everything he's gotten has all been from relationships. And so, you know, I had some opportunities presented to me um, when I was working at my way through the federal government and I was like, well, I'm not sure I'm ready for it. He's like, take the job, take the job. You'll figure it out. <laughs> he said, you should always be learning in your job. Um, so it sounds like that's the, the route you took. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what you just said is there's learning in your job. Um, if I was to go in a job and I'm not learning, I would be bored stiffless, right? So I would be so bored. So I agree with that. You do need to be looking for those opportunities where you're going to continue to learn and it's going to challenge you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and, and also, again, another thing you said, you made a decision to be an officer. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think a lot of people don't always make one, make the initial decision like, you know, oh, maybe, maybe one day. To, no, it's not like you said, oh, I'm going to be an officer. And then you put the action behind it. You put the action effort behind it. Where, again, I think those are two things that most people don't do. Yeah. They maybe toy around the idea. And then when they, okay, I'm going to do it. But then they don't do the, you know, <laughs> I have a reference I'm not going to use right now. But uh, I'll tell you later when we're not recording. Um, but, you know, they just don't, don't put in the effort, you know? That is absolutely correct. And, I, and I'm laughing because... Um, you know, I'll give a little plug. So I just published a, another book and it's called What's in Your Box. And it is about that in particular, right? We need to challenge those beliefs and assumptions that we bring along with us. And if we're going to want to get something out of life, you've got to pay yourself, right? You've got to put into it and you have to take action. Um, and so I, I think that we can all change our trajectory, if we put the action into it, um, which means that we can move. Does it mean that everybody is going to be a millionaire or whatever? No, it doesn't. But we can get forward movement. Yes. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of going to be my next thing is really getting people to start looking at, well, I've got some forward movement. Yeah, you might have two steps back, but you're going to learn something in those two steps back. That's going to take you maybe six steps forward, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. thank you for tuning in to the Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. The results are in. Research has found that networking is one of the four skills absolutely required to successfully advance in your career. However, when asked, most government employees state that they don't network because they believe that networking is for extroverts and for people who care more about their own careers than the organization's mission. But what if there was a way to ethically network without looking self-absorbed and being a super extrovert? Well, there is. Alex Tremble has created a seven-week online networking course specifically designed to give ambitious leaders like yourself the skills needed to become a strategic networker. This course uses time-tested and research-backed strategies to help you identify, build, and maintain critical relationships with influential leaders. Visit alextremble.com slash courses slash networking to learn more about his networking model today. 
Use the discount code PODCASTFAMILY on the checkout screen to receive a 20% discount. Don't delay. Enroll today at alextremble.com slash courses slash networking. And now back to The Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. 100%. Um, actually, because oh, you, you mentioned it, you have two books out, right? How did you, you, you know, so you have what's in your box and you have moments of choice, uh, my path to leadership. Writing a book is not easy, right? I, so I've written two, too. It's, it's like a lot of effort and time. You know, so if you don't mind just hearing, like, what did you learn about success or leadership through the process of writing a book? Because that, that takes dedication. It does. And um, so two different, completely two different books, right? And the first one, I learned more about myself, um, more about why I am the way that I am, right? Um, and it made me um, challenge some, you know, beliefs and assumptions that I realized, you know what, that doesn't serve me well anymore. And now that I'm writing this book and I'm looking at it, I'm just going, oh my God, I need to get rid of that. And I think, you know, everyone needs to kind of take that look. And so you're right. It's a lot of work, but that first book um, took a lot of courage. Writing it was, was easy for the most part Mm -hmm. because it was about me. It was about my story, but it took me more courage to be able to put myself out there. And I put it out at a time where I was at the height of being the adjutant general, right? I was in my first year, just finishing my first year as the adjutant general. And then, you know, this, the second book is inspired out of wanting, it's, it's really inspired out of wanting to make a broader impact. And if I could share some points and words of wisdom that could help someone to find their passion earlier and challenge what's been put in front of them and maybe take action to move forward, then that's really what I want to be able to do. I, I, I love that. I love it so much. Um, I am a huge proponent of writing in general. I feel like, you know, the process of putting it on paper makes you think through it more. It's one thing to have an idea in your head and say, oh, this is what I think my goal is. When you write it down, it actually really makes you think, oh, is that what I really want? Or just how can I make this better? You know, the, the writing process is really helpful. Yes, it is. It is. So I would ask you now the second question I was supposed to ask you, <laughs> which was um, <laughs> serving your le- level of leadership requires more than just subject matter expertise. Um, what did you bring to the table that others didn't? And that, that, that got you selected? What, what made you, what differentiated you? For, so for the job of adjutant general, you know what I think, um, so it's, you're right. It wasn't about the technical piece of it because we were all technically qualified, right? So we, I don't want to say we had the exact same, you know, background and skills, but you could look at our, our resumes and say, you were all qualified. I think for, for this particular job, what made a difference is that when I went into the interview with, um, with the governor, Governor Hogan, um, we connected. And so the first thing that he did is he didn't want to hear about um, all the things that were on my, my resume and bio. He's like, I can read that. And obviously, <laughs> you've done a lot of things, right? He says, I want to know more about you. I want to know who you, Linda Singh. Is. And so I, I went into telling him, you know, a little bit about my background, how this opportunity for me to lead the guard that took me off the streets at age 17. And that, you know, I was really making a choice to become that the, you know, to put my name in for the adjutant general, right? And, and I think it was that connection. It was that honesty. Um, it was you know, being really transparent that I think connected us. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that we've continued to, you know, build, um, you know, this professional relationship that, you know, I'm, I'm still, as a matter of fact, I was on a call earlier today working with some of his team because 
it was, I think we just had like this amazing, you know, connection that he was like, yes, she's the one. Um, and thank goodness, because, you know, God can, I, I will tell you, you know, God speaks to you in different ways, but it was him selecting me, which made a difference four months later that we didn't know was going to be the situation it was, which was Baltimore, right? And the civil disturbance. And so I would say that it was, it was just all timing. And, and I think it was divine intervention. You know, you, you spoke about, he said, that, you know, everyone, you know, technically speaking, had the same technical background. And what you spoke to was relationship and connecting. Yeah. And, um, it's funny enough, I was having a conversation with um, another leader the other day, and we were talking about, actually, the guy said, um, he said, man, could you believe um, if this pandemic would have happened 20 years ago without all this technology? Like, where would we even be? We wouldn't be able to do anything. And I immediately pushed back, and I was like, well, if it happened 20 years ago, it wouldn't be as bad. I mean, it's because we're so interconnected and everyone's going everywhere that it moved so quickly. And so, you know, my thought is that you're, you know, the relationships that we have with all these different industries and so on are going to be even more important in the, yeah. in the future. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the importance of relationship and being intentional about building strategic relationships and whatnot? Yeah. And so that is, um, you know, that's huge, right? It's huge in the sense that you can just get to know people or you can be very strategic in which one of those individuals you pick out. And um, those relationships, and it's not just building relationships with someone that's more senior or someone that's gonna help to elevate you because you have no idea that that private, right? Or that really junior person in the government may be the person that is connected to two other people that until you have that conversation and you build, you know, make that connection and build that relationship, you never, ever know. And so it's this whole thing of, you know, what you say, the six degrees, the separation, it is really valid and it is so true. And so I think that we have to be intentional in our engagement with each other. You know, does it hurt? And, and it's horrible right now, you know, we're having to wear the mask and we can't, you know, see someone's face. And I still try to smile with my eyes when I see someone or I greet them because they can't see me smiling, right? And so yeah. how, do, how are we going to come out of this and interact? I, I do get a little concerned about that because I worry that our empathy uh, and our compassion wasn't great before. And I worry that it's going to be even less when we start re-engaging. And, you know, you see that we're all at kind of these tension and boiling points um, that, you know, my concern is I don't know how long it's going to take us to get over and get back to, um, I don't know that we'll ever get back to where we were. I think we'll bypass it, right? But it'll be different. Well, you know, a quick follow on to that. Again, you talked about the importance of those relationships and not, again, not just people who can help you out or senior level, um, but people at your level, you know, I talked to a lot of executives who just they know relationships, they know connecting is important, but they're so busy. You know, so how, how did you decide where to allocate your time and who to allocate your time to when building those relationships? Well, so part of it is, you know, I, th I think when you're building relationships, you have to be in the moment. Like I can't be having a meeting and sitting there and going, okay, I've got to get out of this meeting and I need to go and meet with this person, right? You, you need to be in the moment. And I think we're so busy, um, you know, trying to get all these different things done that we're not in the moment and we miss important pieces. And so I enjoy connecting with people and I try to connect on a very genuine level. And I don't really care, you know, I'm not going into the relationship saying, what am I going to get out of it? I'm going into it and saying, okay, what level of connection can I make? And can I build a deeper relationship? Because one of the things that I did learn early on, and I started looking at, and, and I'm just like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I build 
you know, these work relationships where, you know, we're going off and kind of hanging out afterwards. And, you know, we're going and, you know, we're going golfing together and, you know, all the guys were doing that and, and I wasn't doing that. I'm like, why, what is wrong with me? And why can't I build that level of relationship? Yeah. Um, and, and some of it, you know, I'm sitting there and going, well, you know, I have good relationships with them, but I don't want to be with them 24 seven. And I think that was part of the difference is that I wasn't willing to be every place that they were. I needed to have that time of separation. But when I was there with them, I was very genuine. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to keep building upon that. So have you ever had a relationship or can you share us a time when you needed to build a relationship with someone who you didn't particularly care for or respect but it was important for the program or for the, for the mission. How did you go about building that relationship? Now, let's give you a quick preface. That is one of the number one things I hear from people, especially government leaders. It's like, how am I supposed to build a relationship with someone I don't respect? I don't respect that person. I don't want to be fake. What, have you ever had to do that? Were you successful? Yeah, and so it's, it's interesting because sometimes it can be really tough when you want to build a relationship with a senior person and um, either one, they are not as respectful, right? They don't reciprocate. Um, they're very cold. Um, and, you know, I always try to um, be respectful, but I, I personally, me, um, realize that there are more people that I can build a relationship with that it may be more uh, rewarding and maybe more of what is needed versus be, being singularly focused on this one individual. And so I guess because I'm, I'm, I have gotten to be senior in that I'm just not going to waste the time. Yeah. You know, life is too valuable, so I'm just not going to waste the time. And even if it means that I'm not going to be selected for something or I'm not going to be promoted, I'm just not going to waste the time. If they don't want to put that level of energy and reciprocate, um, then I can go someplace else, right? Because mm. that is a choice that I have. Yeah, 100%. Um, so thank, I'm, I'm going to make a, a, a slight left turn now um, and talk about just influence. So yeah. at your level, you had a substantial amount of influence. And I'm sure you worked with a lot of other people who had influence as well. Um, how, how did you go about influencing influencers? Like they, they also have influence themselves. Like you can't, and they don't say they don't report to you. How do you do that? How do you navigate that? Well, the first thing is to find the common ground, right? I mean, you can find the common ground. And in some cases you might want to find the common enemy. Because you can, you can be on a solid front. <laughs> right? I mean, there's that whole thing of, do you want to go by yourself and have a frontal attack or do you want to bring some friends along with you? And so, I mean, the, you know, you, you really do need to find, you know, that level of common ground and how can you work with someone where we can go in the same direction, even though we may have, you know, different intentions. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so I think sometimes we get so hung up and it's got to be our way, our way, our way. Yeah. And, um, and in some cases, um, it may need to be um, the we um, that can actually accomplish it and get it done. And so I always try to find, you know, who are my, my folks that I want to build that relationship with, and then use the level of influence, mainly because we want to be able to get to an objective. We want to be able to get something done and we all own different pieces of it. Yeah. And so, you know, it's trying to build that level of um, really that level of commitment and maybe the level of consensus. And I'm not saying that we all have to agree to go about it in the same way, but it's, it's bringing that collaboration together. And, and, you know, the one thing I've learned about myself is that I'm a great connector mm -hmm. and I'm a great, you know, creating networks for folks, right? And making yeah. those connections. So then how about, has there ever been a time when you were trying to build those connections, you were using your strength and it didn't work? It, maybe it backfired. Um, yeah. How did you, has there been a time, I see you smiling, and then how did you recover from it? Yeah. 
Well, well, there there are times where the connections don't work, right? And you you have to kind of take a step back and say, okay, well, what's really going on here? Mm-hmm. And and so um, be careful and not take it personal, mm-hmm. and really try to figure out what's what's deeper. And sometimes there is something deeper that's going on that may prevent from that connection from happening. And you're right. I've, I've been in situations where, you know, no matter how you try to make these connections work, I mean, it is like oil and vinegar. It is like, you know, putting electricity in water (laughs) and you get thrown back and you're just like, Oh, Hey, I'm a little smoky from that. Maybe I'll try it one more time. Um, But you need to know when to kind of step away from it. And, and sometimes realizing that you can't control everything, right? There, you know, I, there, there are some things that you just can't control. Well, you know, actually, one of my, I love that you brought that up, the, you know, just the, the, uh, you know, the, the glacier example, right? You're, you're seeing so much, but there's so much else going on underneath the water. Um, I love my mentor who I referenced earlier what he used to do, which I think really kind of put me on the right path in regards to understanding political savvy, was he would take me to every single executive meeting that he allowed, I was allowed to go to. And this was when I was like 24, 25 years old. Right. And, and after the meeting, we come back to his office and talk about that meeting. Um, yes, we would talk about what happened, um, what was agreed upon. But the more important part of that conversation was what was the context as to why things were decided? Okay, this, this person didn't support this because they don't like this person because of this program. Now, again, sometimes it does not make sense why people support and don't support and doing this. If it doesn't make logical sense on the, on the, on the, on the surface, but there's maybe a lot of stuff going on beneath the surface. And so once you can understand what's happening below the, below the surface, you have a much better idea, opportunity to then influence, right? Yeah. And the challenge is that a lot of times we don't spend enough time trying to understand really what's truly happening. Mm-hmm. We want to move things forward. We want a quick decision um, or we're just like, yeah, they're, they're off smoking something. Right. But we're not really truly understanding <laughs> what's, what's really going on. And, and, um, and we imply too much, right. We assume. And, yes. and so you're, you're absolutely right. Um, why, why do you believe, if you believe, why do you believe, um, networking and political savvy is critical for government employees to learn? You know, so I, you know, when I think of, cause I've, I've dealt with and worked with and, and worked alongside a lot of government folks at all levels. And sometimes individuals still have this mindset of, I'm just going to put my head down and do my job. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to look up. I don't want to get involved. Um, and I'm here nine to five, eight to five, whatever it is. And I'm going home. Right. And I, and I think, um, you know, we, we don't always, um, think about, you know, what, what the power of what we could do if we start building relationships that's outside of our sphere. Yeah. That allows us to see things from a much different perspective and can enrich our decisions. Yeah. And um, we spend so much time saying, you know, I don't want somebody to think I'm not doing my job because I'm nosy and, you know, kind of looking over here and, I should be focused here or, you know what, I don't have time. I'm just going to do my job because it's not going to make a difference anyway. I mean, I've heard that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that we empower our, you know, government employees necessarily in the way that we probably should. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that we need to give them more. And, and it always seems like we're taking more from them because we're saying, well, you know, government's inefficient and it's this, but we're not even giving it the right things. So fine. If we're going to take away, let's reexamine and give the right things, yeah. the right tools. And we, we don't spend enough time doing that. So therefore we waste money and dollars, time, everything else. I, 
thank you for honestly on behalf of all government workers thank you for saying that um i believe that uh there was a book called i think called governance i think it was called governance published back in maybe 2010 2009 some some that time frame and and the book talks about how um government has not grown um it has not really grown um, over, you know, 50, 60, 70 years, it hasn't grown the number of, of people and had really not even necessarily money based off of, you know, uh, cost of living and so on and so forth. But what has grown substantially is what the government is responsible for. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, we're being, you know, the whole um, do more with less, but at some point you have to do less with less, but that's not what government is allowed to do. We have to do everything at a lower quality and I think, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand the, the challenges that government works with, like government employees have to work through. And um, I, I, I do think that, I, I wish that, real quick side story. I remember it was back in probably around the time that uh, Barack Obama would, uh, was hired, uh, not hired, elected. <laughs> Barack Obama was elected. <laughs> uh, so, I was, I, that's weird. Um, so um, I was listening, I was in the car uh, driving and it was, a, it was a radio station I was listening to. It was about politics. And it, all it did was talk about how inefficient government employees were, how overpaid they were, which they're not if you look at the numbers. Um, like how, you know, they just couldn't get anything right. Like, this is nothing but just negative. Um, and I'm like, well, who would want to do this job with everyone saying how horrible they are? Yet they show up every day to serve the American people. Um, and people across the world, actually. So I, I just thank you for sharing, sharing that. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and, and, you know, and we've tried a number of things, right? We, and, and we have improved, but I do, you know, even as a consultant, um, and even now with my company, I want to go back and do work for the federal government. And why? Because there are things that I see today that I walk around and I see um, that my company worked on mm -hmm. with the federal government that made an improvement in a process, right? Where we have a new system or it's a new this. And so when you can see those tangible things of what can be done and it wasn't easy, yeah, then that gives you hope. And so when I you know, I, I've had people say, well, why don't you go back in and work in the government? And I go, no, I want to be able to go in because as soon as you take my voice away where I can't be as vocal right mm -hmm. here, I can be a little bit more vocal and still be able to help move things forward. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, I'm, I'm going to, I do want to, one again, say thank you so much for your time. So we're, we'll start wrapping up. Um, yeah. But I, I want to say a few things. If, if everyone didn't know, if you didn't know this already, um, um, the doctor and I are related. Um, um, she may not know that, but um, I did a little research and we are both um, John Maxwell certified speakers. And so we are both in the JM team together. <laughs> uh, and and so I thought it was hilarious. You have your PhD in IO psychology. I have my master's in IO psychology. So we are, I'm like, I'm following your footsteps. I mean, aside from the whole, you know, you know, general thing. <laughs> following your footsteps. Yes, I did notice that, by the way. And I actually told um, your colleague, uh, uh, Brigadier General Burkhead, I was like, oh my God, he's like right there. I said, <laughs> we'll have a lot to talk about. So yes, we are. Well, you, you, you know how I was introduced was through her um, because of your, uh, actually the first time I saw you was because of the, the special they did on you on the Today Show. Um, and I, I absolutely, absolutely loved it. And anyone who's listening right now, please, you can literally Google um, uh, uh, Dr. Singh, uh, Singh and put in today's show and it will pop up. It's a phenomenal interview. I love, I love, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It, it's, uh, you know, when you get a chance and, and so that, this will be kind of, you know, my last thing because I think it's important. I got a chance to enlighten and empower three am amazing leaders. And I had a seat at the table in which I could do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I took the opportunity because it presented itself.
Well, again, for everything you've done and will do in the future, we thank you. Um, I will give you the floor one last go around. Is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with um, in regards to, uh, one, I, I do want you to share a little more about what you're doing right now and how people can get in contact with you, but also any final thoughts in regards to leadership. And if, if someone to reach your level, maybe not even in the military, but just that senior level position, what advice would you have for them? So you can start off with the advice and then we'll wrap up with everything that you are doing. Absolutely. You know, in terms of the advice, the first thing I would say is, you know, practice um, being able to make better decisions, right? Uh, demand that you get enough information, realizing that you're not going to have all of the information to be able to make a really good decision. And you have to bring along that empathy and compassion when you're making decisions and when you're engaging folks. Because if you just go forth and make decision after decision after decision, and you don't take those other things into account, um, you really are not going to be an effective leader. Mm -hmm. And we see that playing out in many different instances all over the world, right? We, we see it in these engagements that we're having. And I think most people think a leader should be, you know, shouting vocal and this, that is not what leadership is about. Leadership is that ability to be able to connect influence and move things forward. And then if, you know, folks want to be able to get hold of me, if your organization is having a challenge, um, they should go out to my, uh, my company website, which is uh, Kaleidoscope Effect, A-F-F-E-C-T. And hopefully you know how to spell kaleidoscope.com. <laughs> um, but if you uh, can't find that, just go out and Google me. And I'm pretty sure that you will be able to find all of the different things and get back uh, to where um, you know, my contact is. I'm also on LinkedIn. And I will connect on, uh, on LinkedIn. And then if you're telling me that you have an opportunity or something to sell, I'm going to be putting you through the ringers because I get that every single day. <laughs> but I will at least connect with you and, um, and, you know, we can kind of go from there. But I am looking to really change um, how we see the world. And we can only through that, do that through engagement and having the ability to open our eyes. And so, Alex, thank you. Kaleidoscope. So um, again, for everyone who's listening, if you haven't done so already, please get her books, Moments of Choice, My Path to Leadership, and What's in Your Box. These are two, if you love what she talked about right now, I am 100% confident that you're going to love what she has in those books. Again, I love, you know, I love what your focus is. I get a little more reading, you know, especially focus on women and, and veterans. You know, you are passionate about what you're doing and anyone who is has the opportunity to connect and or work with or hire, I should say, um, Dr. Singh, um, will benefit from it immensely. So as I like to say to all my, uh, in all of my videos, um, well, thank you for being here and always stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. Thanks for listening. Find us online at thealextrembleshow.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.